0: This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayinah.org That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولا تجدنهم أَحْرَصَ النَّاسِ عَلَىٰ حَيَاتٍ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا يَوَدُّ أَحَدُهُمْ لَوْ يُعَمَّرُ أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ وَمَا هُوَ بِمُزَحْزِحِهِ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ أَنْ يُعَمَّرُ وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ رب صدري لي امري من لساني قولي فالحمد على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين we are on the final end uh, last few maybe 20 or so ayat left on the discourse on bani Israel. and here continuing from where we left off allah is going to comment on uh, the concept of them not wanting uh, to die. We talked about that exa- exhaustively in the last halaqah, the idea of wishing for death and how Muslims are properly supposed to think about it in light of the Qur'an and especially the sayings of the Prophet Wasallam. But now Allah makes a very sharp comment and it begins with Wala tajidannahum. You will absolutely certainly find them. Tajidanna is actually the original form is tajidu, to find or you will find them. The laam is there to add the implication of an oath like I swear you will find them. Then the, the two noons at the end, the shadda on the noon suggests, I, you will, you will, I'm telling you, you will find them this way. It's a very strong way of making a statement. So in Arabic, if I say, adhabu, I go, and I turn it into, la Adhabu, I'm s I swear to it, I'm gonna go. Then I call, la Adhaban, I swear to it, I'm telling you, I'm gonna go. And when you add one more, la أذهب, that's like the strongest, most emphatic way of declaring I'm telling you that this is definitely going to happen. So this form of speech by Allah is certainly not normal. You'll find it in rare occasions in the Quran like ثُمَّ لَتُسْأَلُنَّ يَوْمَئِذٍ right? And, and and places like that. So here it's the anger of Allah manifest. But it's interesting that Allah actually points this verb to his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is what you're absolutely going to observe. Watch them do this. So Allah is not commenting at them directly, he's actually talking to his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and telling him, this is the criticism that you're gonna observe. This is important to understand, the direction of speech in Qur'an is important to understand because it helps you get the sense of what's being communicated. The sense of what's being communicated here is, you're the one that they are offending. You're the one that, whose message they're rejecting. And he, Allah is so intimate with his messenger, He speaks to him directly as though, you know, and watch, they're gonna do this too. And so in this case now Allah talks actually about how the reason they're so defiant, the reason that they, they don't really care to you know give heed to this final messenger is because they don't really have any any real concern for the next life. And so the comment made is احرص Nasi Allah Hayatin. You're gonna find them being the most zealous. Hirs is shiddatul irada. It's something that you want very, very badly passionate, desperate for something. You're gonna find them the most desperate of all people when it comes to life. Allah hayatin. This is a comment, now, you know, discussion came in Art of Seed, is this a comment about all Jews? Are all Jews just only caring about worldly life and don't care about anything else? I've talked exhaustively about their, about their beliefs and how they shifted across history and how the Old Testament completely removed almost mention of the afterlife. But there was some mention of the afterlife in their oral traditions, even a concept of hell in their oral traditions. But I find the argument of Alusi, rahimahullah, uh, very compelling. He argues that this statement is being made particularly about the Jews that the Prophet was exposed to in Medina. And the the reason that I find his argument even more compelling, that it's not a comment about Jewish people everywhere, or all Jewish people, etc. It seems, number one, very clear that the Qur'an makes comments about the Jewish community of Medina and criticizes some of their beliefs that mainstream Jews don't believe. There are things said about the Jews of Arabia that if you study Judaism at large, even of that time, they have no such concepts. So it seems to be a very specific, targeted discussion at the Jews of Arabia, the audience, the immediate audience of the Prophet That's one indication. For example, taking Uzairah as the son of Allah, there is no Orthodox Jewish claim across the variations of the Judaic tradition. Speak to a rabbi, do the research yourself, there is no such claim. There seems to be a particular deviation of the Jews of Medina, the Arabian Jews, the isolated Arab Jews, uh, that had this kind of deviation, right? The second reason is actually the use of the, ver- the verb, وَلَتَجِيدَنَّهُمْ You will certainly find them. The you referring to who? The messenger of Allah wasallam. So the messenger, uh, you, if, if, if the verb was about us, you and I, then we can still find them today. But the Prophet wasallam is not finding the Jews of today. He's only finding the Jews in front of him, the ones that lived in his time. So it seems very compelling from a textual point of view, that the comment being made here, and what you're gonna read on, is actually about that particular group of Jews that, that the Prophet encountered and the ones that are now interacting with and even trying to refute the book of Allah and undermine the messenger of Allah This I think is an important concept to make, uh, concept distinction to make because Muslims in our religious upbringing oftentimes, we feel that the more anti-Semitic you are, anti-Jewish you are, that's the more, more Islamic you are because the Quran hates Jews. or some like We have these, these notions and these notions are actually pretty far from First of all the original Quranic text And they're also pretty far from ac- accurate history And we have to under, you know, undo this mess That we've created You know, Allah does not write off an entire nation And curse them forever and ever and ever That's not how it works People are responsible for their behavior Not the behavior of their ancestors And the ones before them If they, rip, if they replicate the behavior of their ancestors Then they're accountable But they're not gonna be cursed Because your ancestors did this, this and this You see? So that's a little bit about that. Now, uh, one comment I wanted to make ab- before I move on to the next phrase is about حيات tajidannahum nasi ala hayatin. By the way, anas here therefore will be not all mankind, but all the people that you've come across. You've come across Christians, you've come across Jews, you've come across the Mushrikun, of all their different religious variations. Among all of them, the ones who want to live more than anybody else and are terrified of death more than anybody else is this group in front of you right now. That's, that's the comment being made by Allah Very scathing criticism of the Yehud Now let's talk a little bit about Hayat al-Nakira See the Masdar, the, the idea of life Life You know, in English You have three options You have A Like A, you know, let's say um, An idea Or you can say the idea Or you can remove both of them and say idea Or let me make it easier for you to understand Because it's too abstract for you A chicken The chicken, or what? Chicken. When you say a chicken, you're referring to just some chicken. When you're saying the chicken, you're pointing at some particular chicken that you must kill. But when you say, I love chicken, you didn't say a, and you didn't say the. Because if you say, I love the chicken, then you have a problem. (laughs) If you have, I love a chicken, then there's a particular, just one chicken. But if you say, I love chicken, you're talking in like broad terms, right? In Arabic, of course, you have al, which means the. You have tanween in Arabic, un, an, or in, which means a. Then how do you say a word without the a or without the the, in broad terms? That's actually also al. Al can carry jinsiya, meaning categorically when you speak about something. You put an Al on it. So the ayah, expected language is, وَلَا تَجِدَنَّهُمْ أَحْرَصَ النَّاسِ عَلَى hayat. And then I would have translated, you find them the most zealous of people, the most enthusiastic of people, when it comes to life. Not a life or the life, but what? Life. And I would have said life because there would have been an Al there. I wouldn't have put any prefix before it. But the interesting thing about this word is that it comes in the Nakira form. It comes Hayatin, which actually means technically any life. Any life now w- what is the purpose of the tanween? they say one hayatun muwi don't any life just give me any kind of life I don't care if I have to be poor, miserable, sick I just don't want to die and I just I just want to keep on living and by the way, everybody here knows the longer you live the older you get, the sicker you get, the weaker you get the less capable you get that's fine by me I don't mind I just want to keep on living though I don't care how miserable I get you're gonna find them wanting to live when anybody else says, I don't wanna be at a state where I'm just completely helpless and you know, can't even move around or whatever. I don't care, I just wanna live. That's hayat. And then, والحديثة, this, this idea of um, uh, is and the and at The tanween in Arabic could be used, like I explained, التنوي, any life, just give me any kind of life, I'll take it. That desperate, right? That's actually a, a comment on how desperate they are to preserve their life. But the, the tanween can also be ta'zim, which means they are the most zealous to preserve a good life. Like it can actually, in a sense, mean the opposite, linguistically speaking. But contextually speaking, I find it far more convincing that Allah is saying they don't care about what kind of life, they just want to live. They just, they just don't want to you know, face the prospect of death. And here, there's an embedded comment that when the Prophet is calling people to Islam, it's very well known now. It's been around for a while now. It's not a new phenomenon by the time these ayats are coming down. It's very well known that if you join the Prophet ﷺ, basically you're joining the Muslim army. Because the Prophet ﷺ is in a constant conflict ever since he's moved to Medina with the people of Mecca. So if you join him, you're gonna be putting your life on the line. So it's not like today when you take shahada and you're like, uh, the, my biggest problem is getting up for fajr. It's not that kind of problem. There, you're, you're gonna have to sacrifice... Life and limb, you're gonna have to let go of family, maybe even give up some of the, your precious belongings, and go out in the battlefield in loyalty to Rasulullah right? And so, I take life in any way, I don't want to deal with those risks, I don't want to take the shahada. I don't want it, you know? So that's ala hayatin. Now, notice, even Allah Azza describes, that our life, the way Allah created life, and I'm, I'm highlighting this because of the word ammarah. You know, which is coming a little bit later on. lau yuammaru al That one of them wishes that they could live for a thousand years. They could be given the age of a thousand years. Literally means they'd be given the age of a thousand years. Allah says, In Surah Yasin, he says, Whoever we give old age to, whoever we prolong in age and preserve, that they don't experience death, fil khalq. we start deteriorating them in creation. Their eyesight starts getting weaker. Their bones start getting more brittle. Their back starts bending and they can't walk straight anymore. They have a harder time mobilizing their muscles. Everything about them starts deteriorating. Afalata, Why don't you think then? Why don't you understand? This life was meant to deteriorate and you were meant to come to an end. Even Alusi at one point, he said something so beautiful about that ayah. Like, you know, there'd be reverse people in creation. Hey child, easy, you're scaring me. Okay, so, is the, uh, the idea that when, a, when an old man's back bends, he's always looking down, right? And basically he's looking at his future home. Like Allah makes him look at his future home all the time. SubhanAllah. <laughs> that that's, that's Allah's design in creation. And then when people get older, they have a hard time sleeping. As they get older, the sleep is much more difficult for them. And that's Allah preparing them for more qiyam al-layl. Like just stay up at night. Now i will made it easier for you. You're getting, you're getting closer and closer to meeting with Allah, so just stay up, you know. <laughs> Subhanallah. So here, وَمَن نُعَمِّرْهُ نُنَكِّسُهُ فِي is kind of furthering the idea that you shouldn't want to live a very, very, very old age. As a matter of fact, this is something even the Prophet Wasallam sought refuge from. He sought refuge from old age, you know, and the, the, the weakness that comes with it. Look, listen to this hadith of the Prophet Wasallam. فعن none of you should ever wish for death because of some bad thing that happened to them فإن كان لابد أحيني ما كانت and if you have to become really desperate and you just can't take it anymore here's what you say Oh Allah, keep me alive as long as life is good for me. وَتَوَفَّنِي إِذَا كَانَتِ لِي And take me away if taking me away is better for me. Actually, the, the language here is so beautiful because you don't say give me death. amitni, Give me death. He says take me away. You take me. Like put me in your care in a sense, right? So he's not even describing death as you know, the end of suffering. He's describing death as Allah taking one in their care. But in any case, now, Allah says, these people, you'll find them the most zealous about any kind of life possible. And then the phrase that caused two different interpretations, ومن ladina الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا You'll find them even more zealous than those that have done shirk. First of all, Allah said that, you know, they're the most zealous of all people. And I mentioned to you, the audience of the Prophet is Jews, Christians, and the the, uh, mushrikeen. But then on top of that, it says, the the most experience of the Prophet is with the mushrikeen. So he said, by the way, far more than even the mushrikeen. Like he's highlighting it again. Even more than them. Why would he highlight it more than them? The reason for that is because when the companions were migrating to Medina, ayat were already starting to come down about the people of the book. And we, the mushrikun, and even the Muslims who used to be mushrik before, they had heard some things of the Christians and the Jews. They knew that they talk about a man named Musa and Isa and all of these things. And so much about Musa and Isa had already come in the, the Meccan Qur'an. So the Muslims were hopeful that when they're gonna go to Medina, they're gonna find a very eager audience that is gonna hear this incredible word of Allah, and they're gonna say, hey, this is, هذا ما هو عندنا بين This is exactly what we have This is what we've always had. This is perfect. This is the exact message we were waiting anticipating to hear. So they were optimistic that they will become Muslim. And Allah says, actually, you're going to find them more averse than even the mushrikun. You think they're going to be easier? They're not going to be easier. We've already read this ayah. Are you actually hopeful they're going to accept what you're saying? No, 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 no. Don't be deluded like that. They're actually in many cases even worse than those who have shirk. Why? Because those who had shirk actually had some concept of afterlife. Some of them thought they'll come back as a different creature. Some of them thought there may be, maybe there is a heaven. Some of them thought there's no afterlife. But there was some variation. Here, for the vast majority of them, w- whether there is an afterlife or not, I just don't want to die. <laughs> I don't want to die. And the other thing about the mushrikun is, they didn't care about death. Like they'd rather die glorious deaths on the battlefield so that somebody can make poetry about how they had to take me down after 20 spears. Like they'd rather that, you know. For them actually, if you study the, 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 the thought process of the people of Arabia, the mushrikun of Arabia, for them the most horrifying thing was not death. For them the most horrifying thing was a humiliating death. Like is described in, what's described in Surah Al-Hajj. They thought that dying, if I was to die, like running from my enemy, and like my enemy was gaining on me and I was on top of a cliff, and in my escape to try to run away from my enemy, I slipped and fell off the cliff and died and then people remembered me as the coward who couldn't face his enemy and died the other way, took the easy way out, I can't handle that. And Allah compares that ugliness to shirk. Like, if you think that's humiliating, why don't you think shirk is humiliating? That's what Allah does in Qur'an, right? But the idea is, they weren't scared of death. They were scared of humiliation as a result of death. You find the opposite scenario here. These people don't care about dignified life, not dignified life. Give me any kind of life. Just give me life. That's all. Just keep me alive. That's all I care about. Now, Another interpretation of the same phrase and among those who do shirk is that this is actually a new sentence. The first statement is done. You're gonna find them the most zealous of people and when it comes to any kind of life. They're just, they just wanna preserve life. Additionally, now Allah is saying, alfa sana. That's a new sentence now. That's the second interpretation. Which is, even among the people that do shirk, there are those you will find, one of them will end up saying, Oh, if only I, could wish, I wish I could live a thousand years. In other words, this statement could either be attributed to the Jews, or Allah is saying, among the mushrikun there is somebody who says, I wish I could live a thousand years. And this was something that um, some sahaba uh, actually uh, thought, was, that was their opinion also, that this is talking about the mushrikun separately, especially some of the idol worshippers, the Zoroastrian type people from, from uh, Iran, the, the, you know, Al-Faris, the Persians. Among them, for example, they had a, a very famous Persian phrase, which now actually those who... Um, who speak Urdu will easily understand it. Ji hazar sal. It's actually a thousands of years old phrase, and they used to say to each other to, to wish that you know, I wish I wish you live a thousand years, you know. And so literally they heard one of the Zoroastrians say قَالَ أَحَدُهُمْ لَوْ أَعْمَرَ أَلْفَسَنَ I, I wish I could live a thousand years, you know. And this, some, some say hazar Mahrajan also, which is a festival they have. I wish you get to see a thousand yearly festivals. It's like saying I wish you get to see a thousand Eids or something, which means a thousand years. So that's one of the other interpretations. ahaduhum al fasana. Each one of them wish, one of them even wishes that if only they could live, or they could be given the age of a thousand years. Now, this phrase in particular, there are two possible interpretations. I'll t- I share both with you, then I tell you what I find more convincing. But you have to make up your own minds. One way this has been looked at historically is each one of them wishes they could live a thousand years. Another way of saying this is actually you'll even find among them a person that might even say I want to live a thousand years. If only I could live a thousand years. So one interpretation is suggesting that you know every one of them has this idea. Another interpretation is suggesting yes, they are the most zealous of people and among them there are such extremes also that one of them might even end up saying I wish I could live a thousand years. In other words, this phrase if, if only he could be given the age of a thousand years is not a comment on all of them but actually some of the more extreme elements among them. If you might have guessed it I'm more inclined towards the latter position that this is talking about you know Just uh, the the few extreme cases, even within them, there are extremes. So it's like the ayah is building these extremes. First, they're the most extreme on this matter than other people. Then, even on top of that, me, even more so than the mushrikun. Then, even within them, there are those that are crazy extreme. They want to live a thousand years. And then they add the word law. If only I could. In other words, they live in depression. If you say, in ammar al fasana, if I could live a thousand years, then the word in has a possibility. The word law is actually kalimat al hasra. It's a word used to describe regret. Oh, if only I could have. You know, when you, you use that phrase when you know it ain't going to happen. Okay? So the word low is actually like, like the Prophet ﷺ forbade us from using the word low too much for our wishes. You know, kalimat low taftah abwab shaitan, he says. The, the, the word low opens up the doors of shaitan. For example, if you say, oh, if, if I only registered a week before I could have got in, if I only, oh my God. If I only applied for my passport, I could have gone to Hajj. If I did this, if I did that. Like all these, had I done this, had I done that about the past, and lamenting and beating yourself up, why did I do this? Why did I let that opportunity get away? Why did I say no to that proposal? Why did I, you know, why, why, why? This is, you're never gonna be grateful in life. You're always gonna be thinking about what you should be complaining about. And that is exactly what shaitan wants. He wants you to think about the negative and not think about the positive. Now Allah is actually highlighting inside this one harf, a deep, deeply rooted Jewish psychology, that of depression. I know I can't live a thousand years. If only I could. And now, the the looming prospect of death, every single passing breath, hayatuka anfas, your entire life is just a bunch of breaths. Every time a breath passes, I'm getting closer to it. You know, I'm having a crisis every day, because I'm getting older and older. So its inevitability is kind of Looming in on them, you know, what we call nowadays, uh, in, in modern life, nowadays people say like midlife crisis, that kind of thing. They have like a daily crisis on this stuff. It's dawning on you, I've noticed some gray hairs now. I'm starting to notice, you know, I can't keep up with my exercise or whatever else. Or I sleep more than I used to. You know, I can't take it anymore, I can't stay up like I used to before. Things physically are changing in me. And so it dawns on a person that their mortality is hitting them, right? At a certain age, it starts hitting them. When you're 18, 19, 20, 23, 25 years old, it doesn't hit you. You're just doing whatever you're doing. You eat whatever you eat, you know. When you get a little older, I, I, I can't eat that. I'm gonna pay for it later. Yeah, I can't. I won't be able to sleep. It's gonna, you know. <laughs> and then the, the, the obnoxious 18 year old luxury is why not? <laughs> you know, knocking down the cheese doodles, like staring at you like, what's up? you know can do it hmm? you know <laughs> the word umar actually or amara uh, from which the verb is being extracted yu'ammaru the passive form of it rajulu amran tafa'ulan an yabqa or tafa'ulan an you know the word amr was a famous arab name and a person was called amr out of optimism that hopefully he'll live a long life they would actually even have a prayer for each other ammarak allah ammarak may allah give you a long life that's how they would actually, you know, wish well for one another. Here the idea of Yuammaru, may may I be preserved, be kept safe. But law lilim he knows it's impossible. He just knows it's impossible. And so Allah makes this very scathing comment. He says, Wa ma huwa an And you know, to understand the power of this sentence, you have to understand what the word hua is doing in the ayah first. The word hua means he. And a pronoun is typically used for what is mentioned before. Just like in the English language. You know, once upon a time there was a man, he left, he traveled. The word he now refers to what? The man you just mentioned in the previous sentence, right? So pronouns, their general function is to make reference to what came before. The Arabic language and its rhetoric is rather unique. The word he can actually refer to what is coming also. And when, you, when what is coming is extremely profound or the speaker wants to raise your curiosity about what is coming. You know? Then they use huwa in this way. Now I can give you an example in English also so this concept becomes a little bit easier. Um, for example, about people who die in the path of Allah, you can say, they are alive. Right? They are alive. Listen to the sentence, quote unquote, they are alive is said about martyrs. They are alive... Is set about martyrs. I can flip it around and say, it is said about martyrs that they are alive. When I say it is said about martyrs, if I, if I pause there for a little bit, what does that create in the ear of the audience, in the mind of the audience? Curiosity, what, what is said? What is said? If I started with, you know, they are alive, I already told you, I killed the curiosity. Here, what is the it referring to is actually an that part an is actually the, the bayan of huwa now let me tell you what that means in simple English that he be given that life is not gonna rescue him that's what you expect Allah to say because he says I wish I was given a long life of a thousand years Allah says even that he be given that kind of a long life isn't gonna rescue him but he doesn't say it that way it isn't going to rescue him. What isn't going to rescue him? That he be given any, any life at all. But rescue him from what? What does he want to run from? Do you remember what he wants to run from? From death. Because the opposite of hayat is what? Maut. But if you look at the ayah, Allah did something remarkable. He said, وَمَا هُوَ بِمُزَحْزِحِهِ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ لَمْ يَقُلْ مِنَ الْمَوْتِ He didn't say, and it's not going to rescue him from death that he gets a long age. Well, That's obvious, he already knows that. Allah is not going to tell him that. Allah says something far, more, far worse. He says, it's not going to rescue him from punishment that he's been given a long life. Run all you want from death. And by the way, by using the word punishment here, what Allah has done is remarkable in that not only is punishment waiting for you after you die, that your life itself will become what? A punishment. You're not escaping anything at all by wishing for a long life. And, and by not repeating alfasana, that he be given the life of a thousand years Allah is saying even if I give you two years to live even if you live a month from now you're still gonna get punished now and, and later on one of those punishments has already been alluded to the fact that they live in depression that they live a life of low another what you're gonna find later on the fact that you opposed a messenger knowingly this is the highest of crimes mushrikun were ignorant people they, they refused the messenger out of their ignorant arrogance you refuse the messenger out of your knowledgeable, educational, well-educated arrogance. That's far worse. So you're gonna pay the price here. And then later on, in Arabic, a four-letter root, actually means someone who's distanced or pushed far away from something. You're not gonna be able to ward off, or push away, or escape, get away from the punishment, no matter what kind of life you've been given. And perhaps this is actually an illusory reference to not only in the akhirah, but also to the idea that pretty soon, just in a couple of years, the the treaty with the Jews is going to be broken because of their own treachery, and they're gonna try to distance themselves from the Muslims, and they're gonna run off into their camps, and the Muslims are gonna go after them, after the events of Al-Ahzab. We're gonna be going after them. And those accounts are described in Surah Al-Hashr. So it's maybe even an illusory reference to that, you know, what's gonna happen. Then the other thing here is that, how can this life become a punishment? This life, Allah created it as fitna. He created it as a, as a test. Fitna does not mean punishment, it means a tough test. It's a fitna for you and me, إِنَّمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ Fitna. That's what it is. But for hypocrites, and Banu Israel of Medina, those people, Allah Azza wa Jal added another dimension. Specifically about hypocrites in Surah Al-Tawbah, He says, فَلَا تُعْجِبْكَ أَمْوَالُهُمْ كَافِرُونَ Don't be impressed with their monies, and don't be impressed with their children. This is the two things you get to live by in this life. He says, we, Allah only intends to torture them by means of these things. إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّه ليعذبهم بها. What does Haqqa and and they lose them, they, they completely obliterate their own selves, they eliminate their own selves and they, they remain in a state of kufr. they remain in a state of disbelief. This is actually Allah describing how even money and children will become a curse they 'll become a form of torture because Allah wants to intend, intend to punish some people by means of this thing. Living a long life on its own is not a bad thing. We talked about that in our last session a couple of weeks ago you should you know. Yeah, you, none of you should wish for death in another hadith that if you get a long life if it's a good person then perhaps they'll do better they'll do, have a chance to earn more good deeds and if they were a bad person perhaps they get a chance to undo some of the damage because they get a longer life look at Nuh alayson <laughs> he lived a, a thousand years say fifty, nine hundred and fifty years so living a long life isn't a problem but it is a problem when you're running away from Allah's judgment and when you don't want to take responsibility for your actions. That's the criticism that's being made here. Wallahu yamalun, And Allah is in full view of what they do. Now this statement seems generic, right? You see all, so many times in the Qur'an Allah say, Allah is in full view of what they do. Wallahu yamalun, But you have to understand from a, from a language point of view, from a literature point of view, and from Allah's wisdom really. Every time He says these things, they have a new flavor. And they have a particular purpose. In this particular case, if you notice the ayah began with, you, messenger, will find them this way. They'll be wishing that they could live a thousand years, and they can't escape death, and they can't escape punishment. It seems that now, it could be that you and I might become obsessed with finding this criticism in them. And keeping an eye on them. Allah says, you'll notice this, let me tell you, you will absolutely notice this. But don't you worry about keeping an eye on them, and what bad and evil they're doing. Allah's got to watch on them you have other things to do wallahu baseerun bi ma it isn't allah is in fact in view of what they do <laughs> you know you don't have to be in view of what they do you don't have to obsess yourself with what evils they're up to and how they're undermining this mission etc cetera, etc cetera. that's not your let, let me deal with them basically allah's way of saying let me deal with them wallahu baseerun bi ma and leave them be now we get to a deeper problem of the Israelites. They, on the one hand, Allah has now in this previous ayah talked about how how much they want worldly life, but they also know that Allah's punishment descends sometimes, and it will. When it, when it descends, they know even from judgment day. In our revelation, we know that Allah will send the angels themselves will descend, but the first of them to descend, يُمَكُّمُ رُوحُهُ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ. Right, the day on which the, the angel, Arruh, meaning Jibreel salam, And then along with him, the rest of the angels descend. Right, So they have this particular problem with Jibreel salam. They associate him with judgment. They associate him with punishment. Actually in the Hebrew language, because the, the, the word Gabriel or Gibril is used in Hebrew, and it's actually borrowed into the Arabic language. The word Il is their word for Allah, for God in Hebrew. Jibr'il or Gabr'il or Gebrail or Jibr'il or as the English now uh, uh, version of it is Gabriel, right? The, the word Gabr actually comes from, it's similar to the Arabic root Jabr, which means power. And Jabr'il or Gabr'il actually means the powerful one that belongs to God. The powerful one that belongs to God. It's really interesting that the, the, the Arabs of Medina and the Arabs of the entire region actually, we didn't know Hebrew. The Prophet Sallam doesn't know Hebrew. But the Quran would actually take the name Jibreel, and I, you would think that I found the translation of Jibreel by looking up Hebrew references, right? Jewish references. And that's true. But it's really cool that in the Quran, Allah will call Jibreel alayhi salam, ذو مرةٍ, you know, and then ذي quwatٍ. He'll call him Shadidul quwah, powerful, possessing might, possessing strength. In other words, Allah translates Jibril alayhi salam's name in the Quran. Without teaching us Hebrew, he just does it directly. And so when you look up Jibreel's name in Hebrew, you'll find this exact description in the Quran. Without any education of the Prophet himself in the Hebrew language or the Arab people around him, subhanAllah. Right? But anyway, so the, 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 even in their theology, Jibreel is associated with great might. And they feel that Jibreel has it out against them, that he's been tough on them. The angel that likes them is Mikal, Michael. Michael and the angel that doesn't like them is Gabriel. Actually, in Jewish theology, God's throne is there. And left of his throne, Gabriel, Gabriel sits there. And the right of his throne, Michael, Michael sits there. So perhaps the left isn't as impressive as the right. Oh, Jibreel, the left side? That's the one that comes to you? Would have been much more impressive if it was Michael though. That would have been... I mean, see, see that's it. That's, all, that's the best you could do with Allah. Like you just got Jibreel. That's, that's one of the implications possible. Uh, you know when they when they make a scathing comment about Jibril alayhi salam. Notice also that the ayah says Qul, say declare to them like the Prophet is supposed to speak on behalf of Jibril. It's so awesome. Jibril alayhi salam defends the Prophet sallallahu Jibril and the legions of angels defend the Prophet And now the Prophet is supposed to defend Jibril alayhi salam. It's actually now he's going to stand up for the angel that teaches him. That's his. Me- that to us, Rasulullah is the messenger. To Rasulullah, Jibreel is the messenger. That's his Rasul, right? That's the one who teaches him revelation. So he's gonna stand up for his messenger and says, whoever is gonna be an enemy to Jibreel, Jibreel. Whoever is gonna be an enemy to Jibreel. And so Allah responds, Fa'innahu nazalahu Then in fact he's the one who sent it down on your heart. This is remarkable, folks, because the word nazala to send down which is used for revelation in the Qur'an, is pretty much talking about Allah. نَزَّلَ عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابِ إن أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ Every time Allah uses نَزَّلَ, He uses it for who? Allah Himself. In this ayah, it's very explicitly clear that Allah is using the verb نَزَّلَ for what Jibreel does. Jibreel is the one who brings it down onto your heart. If they have a problem with basically in simple English if they've got a problem with Jibril if they want to be an enemy to Jibril and they've been that way by the way the word kana man huwa as opposed to man kana aduwwu they've clearly had done had a problem with Jibril and if they've been this way then by the way let me let you let them know and they can't do anything about it he's the one who's bringing it down on your heart so let them be enemies So you, you so Allah is basically saying at this point you want to be mad about it go ahead well, he's the one sending it. I'm not sending anybody else. <laughs> oh, it bothers you, does it? Oh, I'll send him again then. And then nazzalahu as opposed to anzalahu. Anzalah means to send down one time. Nazala? over time. He keeps on sending down, keeps on making them mad, keeps on exposing their secrets, over and over again. But then this creates kind of a philosophical problem. Because if the verb nazala is used for Allah, and now نَزَّلَ is used, being used for? Jibreel, the satanic mind, like the ones that some of these Israelites had, might say, oh, so is it the word of God or the word of who? Jibreel, because you're saying he's the one who sent it down. And so the, the perfection of the Qur'an, what does Allah do? By Allah's leave, He sends it down to you. So even when sending it down is attributed to Jibreel salam. And you might think, well, wait a second, is, is Jibril then the author? Immediately authorship is returned back to Allah by what phrase? بيذنى. Nothing is extra in the Qur'an. Everything serves a purpose. Everything has a reason for being there, right? So it preserves the integrity of revelation. Now, having said that, it must be stated that Jibreel alayhi salam has a very special status in the Qur'an. In that the verb nazala, which is only used for Allah, was still used for him as an honor of his. It also is incredible because عَلَّمَ عَلَّمَهُ شَدِيدُ الْقُوَى The, 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 the mighty one, the, the one who possesses great might, intense might, is the one who taught him. Meaning taught Rasulullah Now the verb teaching has been used for who? Jibreel ﷺ. And the verb teaching is also used for Allah عز و جل عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنِ عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنِ right? He taught the Qur'an. So this is actually a pretty high status granted to Jibreel alayhi So when you're messing with him, saying anything to him, you become an enemy to him. It's also pretty interesting that you're becoming an enemy to a very mighty messenger who you really don't want to mess with. You really don't want to mess with him. But Allah is not saying he's an enemy to you. He's just saying you're being an enemy to him. So keep in, keep in mind, like you know people say we're enemies to each other. Or they're, they're, they're enemies against each other. Which means the animosity is mutual. In this phrasing, the animosity is not mutual. The animosity is directed from who to who? From the Israelites to Jibreel. Okay, so keep that in mind as we progress, because that's gonna uh, play a role. Now, look at the progressive stress also. فَإِنَّهُ nazalahu. They have a problem? Then actually let them know, doesn't matter, he's the one who sent. Another uh, uh, way of interpreting this same phrasing is actually that فَإِنَّهُ is looked at as sabab which would translate a little bit differently. Now pay attention to how it would translate differently. It would mean, whoever is an enemy to Jibreel, because he sent it down to you, so they're, they're, they hate you, they hate him because he chose Rasulullah to send down to, as if Jibreel, and they, this was actually suggested by some, Jibreel hates us so much, he, he didn't even pay attention to which address the messenger was supposed, message was supposed to come to. He came to the wrong address and delivered to the wrong man. He gave an, he gave an Arab the message. You know, <laughs> and so we can't stand him. Like, what did he do? He gave it to the wrong family. The, the wrong lineage. How could he make such a mistake? And Allah says, oh, it's because he sent it on you, huh? So their, their racism is now coming out. So much so that they're even able to say things about Jibreel a.s. And so now Allah turns the, the page and basically says to them, and you have a problem with him for what reason? Because it continues to you know vividly confirm what is ahead of it. What is ahead of it means the Torah, the Injil, the revelations, the oral tradition, the entire corpus of the Jewish faith. All of it is being the good of it is being confirmed by the Quran. And all the prophecies of a final messenger coming being, being confirmed by the Quran you shouldn't have a problem with this, you should be welcoming this. You're becoming his enemy because he's giving you what you've been hoping for? How, how silly is this? So they, you know, on the one hand, Allah is saying, why don't you just believe in it? Why are you so offended anyway? It's confirming what you have. And what I wanted to highlight here is a reminder of what I said in a few lectures ago, the hal the of musaddiqan. It's an important thing to understand. And this is something, this, is, this piece of it is living in the Qur'an. Because there people of the book are still here, Right? they may not be enemies of Jibreel, but Qur'an is still musaddiqan. This part of it is universal. You know, a piece of an ayah may be historically contextualized, and there are pieces of an ayah that may live forever, whose relevance is forever. So we can't even discount an entire ayah. You have to go word by word, phrase by phrase, and see what has historical ramifications, and what has universal ramifications. Now let me remind you of how this works. If I say, uh, a, a nice car, a nice car, or a new car, for example. Or even, let me make it a living thing, or a living person. Let's say a patient man. Right? That's an adjective of a man, that he's patient. Uh, let's say I'm talking about my father. I don't know, my dad is in Europe right now, I don't know if he's sleeping right now, or eating right now, or losing it with my mom right now, I don't know. But I just called him what? A patient man. When I called him a patient man, I described a quality he has but not necessarily a quality that he is exhibiting at the moment. You understand the difference, right? This quality lives somewhere inside him, it comes out every once in a while, so he deserves the quality, but that doesn't mean that he is living the quality at this very moment, right? If I say a man being patient, a man being patient, that's a little bit different. Now I'm not saying that there's some quality hidden inside, you can actually see it. You understand that? Okay. So when I say a man being patient that is actually hal. And the fu- the fundamental difference of hal is it's an observable phenomenon. You experienced it, you saw it. It's not just some hidden quality inside. The Quran is being called musaddiqan as a hal, not as a quality. The quality of the Quran would be it confirms previous scripture. A book confirming previous scripture. But Allah is saying it actively confirms. You can observe how it confirms previous scripture. When the book of Allah is sitting on a shelf in a library, it's not confirming anything. When the believer in the book of Allah is going out there and sharing what it says, describing to the people of the book what it says, then it becomes a hal. It starts living. The Qur'an when it was revealed, it wasn't revealed on pieces of paper that can just sit there. and That book contains a confirmation. No, no, no. The Qur'an was actually words being recited by the Prophet and his followers, Alayhi الصلاة والسلام. The words were being brought to life. They were actively confirming previous scripture in the hearts of people. In other words, by just the nasub of musaddiqan, Qur'an is demanding to be spoken, pronounced, shared, talked about, declared all the time. That's what makes it musaddiqan. lima Baina yadehi. And if we don't do this, then they're not gonna know. You know, the fact that there are so many today, so many today, that can say the Qur'an is from the devil. The Bible is the word of God. And this is the word, they don't even know the relationship between the Bible and the Qur'an, and whose fault is that? The only time they study the Qur'an is to attack the Qur'an. And you know what? I don't blame them. Because we didn't go out of our way and show how this is the most loving act of revelation, a gift from Allah, that He confirmed previous scripture for them. He gave them this gift. You know? And so this... They, they really ought to love him, not hate him. Because he's confirming the essence of their scripture. And this last part, I'm gonna, I'm gonna comment on this last part and give you guys your break, inshallah. bushra lil mu'minin, And it, is, it was sent as a guidance. You can actually say, this is nasab also. It's a continuation of the hal. So he sent it down as a guide. And he sent it down as good news for believers. Let's understand the implication of hal here first. On the words hudan and bushra that means that the Qur'an actively guides you. If a book is sitting there, it's and it's a guiding book. It's a, it's a book of guidance. It has the quality of guidance. But if it's a hal, it actually means it actually guides you as you go. It's living guidance. Which means the believers are now being told, not only is it confirming previous scriptures so it can guide them, it actively guides you in your life. The more you engage with it, the more guidance it will give you on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. It's the, it's the injunction of the five daily prayers that more than anything else is testimony that the Qur'an is active living guidance. You're supposed to drop the world, stand in front of Allah and recite a portion of Qur'an and activate its guidance in your life. The next quality that's given is Bushra, which means good news. Actually means extremely good news. And Bushra comes from the word Bishr. Bishr in Arabic means skin why does skin have to do with good news? Because some people's skin isn't good news. But, you know, what does that have to do with it? When you are so happy that it's visible on your face, your skin, your texture changes. You know, there are people who notice, I notice dark circles around your eyes. I notice there's a look to something, there's a pale complexion to you. Are you depressed? Why do you look like that? And then people say, your skin is glowing. What happened? Wow. I just got married. You know, like, you know, like, Joy, one of, the, one of the manifestations of joy is on what? On skin. In other words, this book should give you so much joy, it, you start radiating. You start, it actively radiates you. Now the thing is, you guys know that the Messenger didn't just come with good news. He also came with what? Warning. But Allah is describing something very beautiful here. He is saying, subhanAllah, in this, in, it's so amazing that this is put in this context. Here they were running from punishment. So Allah should have said, this is a book of warning. And you should be warned and beware of punishment. He says, no, for people who truly believe, they don't have to worry. It is good news for them. Actually, for people of real iman, Mu'minin, right? For people of real iman, the two things that will define their relationship with the Qur'an is gonna be guidance and good news. Look at the beauty of these words. Like now you're learning, my relationship with the Qur'an is defined by these two things. It actively guides me and it actively brings me joy. فَبِذَلِكَ هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ Because of that and that alone, they should be filled with joy. It's better than anything else they can collect. That's the... I mean, The, when I, the more I think about this ayah, it, the more it makes me personally happy, it actually makes me really sad also. Because what have we done with our relationship with the Quran? How is the Quran quoted on the Mimbar? How is the Quran talked about today? Is it a source of guidance and good news for believers? As a matter of fact, when somebody gives good news, people come and say, But we should talk about Akhira too. People need to know about Jahannam. People you haven't told people enough that they're gonna burn. You know the AC already isn't working. They have enough reminder of Yom Al-Qiyamah. It's okay. <laughs> they could use some good news. You know, brother, but we, they get a false sense of security. No, they don't. Be, be true with the word of Allah. For people who really have iman, part of their iman is optimism. Notice the, the contrast now. We started with them being depressed. I'm gonna die. I'm eventually gonna die. I wish I could live longer. And now you have this book that's giving people guidance and giving them joy. By the way, there's a scathing comment here too. If you notice in the previous ayah, they in this particular ayah, it's a, it's a, it's good news and congratulations. It's going to serve as those things actively for those who believe, uh, which is kind of like a slighted slight way of saying. And unfortunately, you don't. You, it, this is for those who believe. You could Allah could have said lahum. This is guidance and good news for them if they accept it. No, no, no. <laughs> Clearly they don't want to accept it. So it's just for believers. Uh, not you guys. Not you guys. And uh, I might as well finish the flow of these ayat and we can get into the next subject. Sorry guys. مَنْ كَانَ wa لِلَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ fa inna فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَدُوًا kafir. Whoever has been an enemy to Allah and his angels and his messengers and Jibreel and Mikal then Allah no doubt is an enemy to disbelievers Okay, this statement, Umar radiallahu anhu heard it. And he wanted to figure out what this means. This is in the life of the Prophet. He went to one of their mishnahs. He went to a Jewish seminary in Medina. Walked in. So, what do you guys say about Jibreel? (laughs) He's so cool. He just wanted to know from them, like, I know what Allah says already. You know, (laughs) what do you say? And this is actually, actually, according to Tabari, this ayah, this ayah hadn't even come yet. Other ayah had come. And he said, "Did they have a problem with Jibril or something? I want to know. So he just goes over and kind of just asks them, so guys, uh, what's up with Jibril and you guys? So they say, ذَلِكَ aduuna," That's our enemy. "Yutliyu Muhammadan ala He keeps telling Muhammad all our dirty secrets. <laughs> And he's, by the way, in our faith, in our tradition, he's associated with drought and punishment. Wa Mikail, Sahibul Salam, and Mikail. Now he's the he's the angel of vegetation and produce and he brings good news and, and peace. You know, so we we don't like him too much. Because you know Quran, Allah kept sending revelation down, kept exposing them and then exposing them again, exposing them again, exposing them again. Everything they think they could have been buried away and nobody knows about, Allah just opens it up. And then on top of that they say, no, 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 our book never says that. And the Quran comes on and says, yes it does. Jibreel sends it out, actually it does. That's what Torah says. And he's like, how does he know what Torah says? Jibreel keeps giving it up to him. We came to him and said, no, there's no, there's no such thing in the Torah. And then the Quran comes on and says, قُلْ التَّورَاتِ فَاتْلُوهَا Why don't you bring the Torah and read it please? And show me where, where it says what you're saying. <laughs> the the Jibril keeps exposing them through the revelation Allah gives to him to deliver to the Messenger. of Islam, and this really, really bothers them. And so, then this ayah came according to the Whoever has been an enemy to Allah and His angels and His His messengers and Jibril and Mikal, then Allah is certainly an enemy to those who disbelieve. Now, understand what happened here. This is not the first time animosity is mentioned. We started with animosity. Man adua li Jibril whoever has been an enemy to Jibreel. But now, Allah is saying, after they responded this way, Allah wants to clarify, when you become an enemy to Jibreel, let me tell you who you're really enemies with. You're enemies with Allah. You're enemies with Allah. And when you're an enemy with Jibreel, because he's in charge of the legion of all the angels, you've actually not just messed with Jibreel, you've messed with? all of the angels, وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ. And all of his angels, they are the ones, يُرْسِلُوا alaykum Allah sends angels to protect the, the believers, etc. You're not just an enemy to Jibreel and the angels, you're actually an enemy to all the messengers. Rusulihi. Now the Jews are being told, you're not just an enemy to Muhammad wasallam. you're an enemy to Musa you're an enemy to Isa, you're an enemy to Zakaria, you're an enemy to the prophets who came to you too. You're, you're gonna talk about Jibril, then you have basically declared your animosity even against the prophets you claim to believe in. Even them. The passage before this one, they claimed iman, Allah said, that's not iman, that's kufr. The passage this one, they claim loyalty to their prophet, their angel, the one they like. Allah says, no, you don't have any loyalty. You're an enemy to all of them. And by the way, Jibril and Mikal too. Because you compare the two of them, right? And I'm including Jibreel Mikal if it wasn't clear. wa Mikal? Because you know, they would find a, some way... No, no, no. But we weren't talking about the rest of the angels. We were just talking about Jibreel and Mikal. says, I know what you're gonna say. You know, this, this is the mark of like the, the perfect teacher. When a teacher is going to put a student, like, like own a student. And he's gonna yell at him, but before he yells at him, He's gonna criticize him in a way, knowing him so well, that I know exactly which excuse he's gonna come up with. And I'm gonna yell him in a way that, that cuts his excuse off halfway through. He's like, oh, I can't even use that one. He already preempted my strike. وَجِبْرِيلَ <laughs> This is not additional. This is actually cutting them off in their path. Now notice, they were enemy to Jibreel. Now they're enemy to Allah, his messengers... You know, Allah has angels, His messengers, Jibreel and Mikan, all of them. What is Allah's the consequence of it? On the first case, He said, Deal with it. He's the one who sends revelation anyway, whether you hate Him or not. Now He says, The only thing I have to tell you now is, Then fine. Allah is enemy in retaliation. Then Allah is enemy too. But for who? He doesn't say, lahum. he says "Lil kafirin," for disbelievers." This is Allah's way of saying to the people who claim to believe in a revelation, but were being hypocritical about it, "You are nothing but Kafir. You are disbelievers. You can tell yourself whatever you want. You're not believers. Tell yourself, however you want to justify it to yourselves, that's your problem. You are not believers in Allah's book. Notice how this ayah ends in the previous ayah ends. The last ayah ended. مؤمنين. and then here Allaha lil kafirin. both of them a scathing criticism of the Israelites one they're being told you're not Mu'minin. well you are what? kafirin, and you're enemies to Allah in doing so too subhanallah this, this uh, mirroring is really important to understand so we conclude with that inshallah ta'ala our first session I'll give you about 10 minutes off like I explained before the breaks are gonna work this way I'll give 10 minutes to the sisters come back next session Next break, 10 minutes to the brothers, and that's how we're going to do the the QA type stuff. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayinah.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G.